Blog Talk Radio. Writing shotgun with me is TJ Smith. TJ, thanks for joining us again. No problem. All right. So, yeah, we have we've had an ongoing debate that ran all the way up to the time that we got on air, and we're going to actually continue that debate on air because it's something that needs to be talked about. But we were going to get into symbolism today. Now, due to recent events, that ain't going to happen. There's just too much stuff going on with the UN gun treaty and then the mass shooting. And then you've got the birth certificate thing, which is, I mean, we're going to look at this from a different perspective. We're not going to look at it from from the mainstream media perspective where they all have talking points and they recite them. And then it just kind of gets disseminated down through the the proper channels. We're going to take a a second level view at, at what's really going on here. And TJ and I were breaking that down before the show. So you're in for a treat today, not in for a treat because the U.N. wants to come for your guns and your firearms. You're in for the treat of truth, reality as we know it, and a different perspective than you're fed all day by the magic box that sits in your living room. So let's get into it. Jumping right in, TJ, let's get into what happened out in Aurora, Colorado. So... From what we know so far, break down what we know, and I'll add the little tidbits of what I've picked up this morning. And then um, we're going to go into the background of the shooter. We're going to go into what he had, and then we're going to start breaking it down from that point, why this smells a little fishy. And then I'm going to get into the document I found this morning from the FBI's own website that was actually pulled down um, back in May talking about how... You know, there might be some events and stuff at uh, at mass gatherings and even theaters. It even says theaters in the document. So, TJ, break down what we got so far or what we know so far from the shooter. From Let's start with his background. What's what's this guy's background? Where does he come from? Okay, so um, he was originally raised inside California. His name is James Holmes. At the time, of course, at the shooting, he is 24 as current as of 2012. He holds, he was uh, a good, very smart student. Um, uh, Witnesses that knew him says back in California when he graduated from high school at almost, I would say, I would say the top of his class, he has a bachelor's degree and he has a master's degree. I believe his bachelor's degree is inside neurological science. And then um, he could not find a job inside his master's degree. His mother actually sent him to Colorado to further his, to further his education where he then um, entered the Ph.D. program and um, dealing with um, the neurological um, science as well, uh, but with, uh, I believe, with disorders. And then that is when he began to pull out recently, and that's when we know that um, he purchased guns inside May, mm-hmm. June, and inside July. And then for then, we actually... These, these are all now. these are all legally purchased firearms, yeah. right? Legally this is not purchased black. Fire, this yeah. is not black market stuff. No black market stuff. Um, the three guns he actually bought actually came from um, gun shops inside Colorado. They actually have surveillance of him buying it. They know that guns are completely legal. He bought six thousand rounds of ammunition from online. Everything completely legal that he bought. Okay. So let's break down from – all right, so we got the backstory a little bit. So let's talk about up into the shooting, okay? So the guy comes into the theater through the exit door. I was watching some of the interviews this morning. It's kind of a horrific scene, I guess. The guy comes into the theater, pops a smoke grenade. Everybody's so entrenched in the movie, they think it's part of like a publicity stunt. It's opening night, all that good stuff. 
Pops a canister of I don't know if it's tear gas or a smoke grenade. I haven't seen any you know any clarification on that. And then the guy talks about one of the um, one of the witnesses talks about he hears two big bangs. It's probably so he he tosses in a smoke grenade and then yoinks in a flashbang or two flashbangs. Flashbangs for those of you who don't know that are used by the military and police. They're they're not used to assault people. They're basically used to disorient you. It'll 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 almost rupture your eardrums, give you kind of a delusional state. You can't hear anything, and then you lose um, orientation, so you become completely disoriented. And the flashbang pretty much makes you blind. So you're incapacitated at this point. And then they say the gentleman gets to the front of the theater and starts opening fire. On everybody, everybody, a couple of people just sit there, and then the witness that I heard or saw the clip of said that he he saw the guy next to him get shot, and that's when he knew it was real, and then he hits the deck. So, TJ, have you heard anything else? And then how long does this go on? And then and then what happens? How does this guy get caught? Okay, well, from all of the witness accounts that I have actually heard, especially watching CNBC, uh, which they um, interview numerous different witnesses uh basically um when okay he actually bought a ticket to the midnight show okay. he actually came according to witnesses he came in with the audiences when he was then inside the theater he then propped open um the exit door and between the time i guess when the movie came on he then entered the movie theater. However, witnesses say that he actually timed his shooting with when Batman first appeared on screen. So he did throw um, two, I guess, canisters of either a smoke bomb or flashbang. Uh, most likely, probably a smoke bomb because the flashbang will actually blind you for um, a matter of what uh, seconds. Mm -hmm. So he did that. The people inside the movie theater thought that it was actually a part of the show. Um, according to um, three witnesses, it wasn't until he actually fired a shot into the ceiling that people then knew that he was for real. And then when people actually started moving, um, that's when he began to shoot people. Mm. Now, uh, according to two witnesses interviewed by CNBC um, that took up the stock with Ed show, uh, they said that he was shooting between 15 to 20 minutes inside the theater, and he was actually constantly re um, reloading. Now, um, he was caught by police in the back of the theater mm -hmm. um, near his car. And so he, he shoots everybody up, and then he and then he flees the scene. And well, now the thing is, we actually don't. Now, this is the thing where it's actually going to get kind of really shaky because, okay, the now we don't know how many people was all inside the theater, but mm -hmm. we can probably say we're probably maybe more than a hundred something because at one time reports were saying that he shot seventy something. Now we know that he injured fifty eight and he killed twelve people. Mm -hmm. Now. Um, the thing is, okay, if you know a movie theater, you know that emergency exits are located uh, towards the front on both sides. Right. right, or underneath you can get back out the way you came in, yeah. Yeah, so he at first started in the front, but then he began to walk up the aisle. And as people was running for the exits, he began to shoot. Now, if this lasts for 15 to 20 minutes, and wish that uh, a lot of people, uh, according to the police chief, he said that the majority of the people inside the movie theater actually got shot. This means that, um, well, how could he have really made it out of the theater if there were so many people trying to get out at once? You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and the whole... You would think that he would still be inside the theater when they found him because I'm like, well, okay, if this is a guy dressed up inside all full body armor and everybody's trying to get out of the theater, that means that he would have to exit through one of the ways that, um, you know, either the ways that they came in through into the theater, which I doubt he came through because right. when you exiting, you know, all people, you know, so he had to leave out from an emergency exit. And I wonder, well, you know. See, here's my question. If he leaves through the emergency exit or props the emergency exit door to get all this weaponry and stuff in or get himself in later, where is the alarm? I thought that alarms go off when you exit this uh, when you when you exit a fire. Well, I mean, fire. Excuse me, Freudian slip. When you 
when you when you exit a movie theater, I, I would assume. Now I could be completely wrong on this. I would assume that when you go to exit, that that the alarm is going to sound. But evidently, that's not the case. I don't know. I mean, hey, I mean, there's a lot of things inside this case that we. I mean, even though we don't know all the details, there's a lot of things we actually don't know so far. Here you have a guy, okay, uh, a very quiet guy, as they say. And he disappears for like two months. Nobody hears from this guy, right? Yeah. He dis he disappears, falls off the radar screen, withdraws from school, all of this. And then, you know, the the reports that I'm reading say that he played a lot of um, uh, online role playing games and and all this stuff. And probably, I mean, if he's an introvert, that really doesn't shock me. I mean, if you're an introvert, you're probably going to be more comfortable with a virtual world than you're going to be comfortable with actually interacting with somebody face to face. So transitioning off of that, we got the backstory. We got the, we got kind of a, you know, a blurry view of, of what goes on inside the theater. Now let's talk about, let's talk about where, where this guy gets all this stuff. Okay. So he, yeah, you know, and TJ, you know this. I'm a I'm a fellow gun owner, so this is this is a near and dear story to my heart. Okay, so you got the guy that's got one AR-15, he's got a Glock, and he's got a shotgun. Correct? Those are the three firearms that he had. Yep. Okay, so then you move on to he's got a a ballistic helmet, he's got a vest, he's got leg and groin protectors, and he's got a throat protector. Right? Yeah. You're looking at and six thousand rounds of ammo. All that stuff together, you know, just me ballparking it, it's probably going to be upwards of past ten grand. Yeah. Okay? okay. Full body armor. First of all, a ballistic vest is very very hard to come by, and if you buy like a really really good one, you're going to get flagged for it because of what happened with the two guys that robbed the bank a couple of years ago that had Kevlar vest on that that basically robbed the bank, came out with fully automatic um, AK-47s, full body armor, you name it. And they just start wasting the cops, you know, and that's when it became illegal to actually have this stuff. So all that being said, the guy withdraws from school, plays a lot of video games, doesn't have a job, but yet can go on and afford to buy all this stuff, which is kind of interesting. So he goes out and he buys all this stuff and sets this whole event up. And then he talks about his apartment being booby trapped. And then, okay, so that's something I really want to get into. right? No, All right. So we'll, we'll get into that in a second. And. And the reason that this is all kind of weird and, and somewhat surreal at the same time is that I have in my hands right here, and I'll post it on Facebook, and, and, I'll, and I'll post it, and we'll actually put a picture of it on our YouTube channel when we load this up to YouTube. Um, here is the actual document from the FBI. It says, unclassified for official use only, roll call release in collaboration with ITACG. And this is dated the 17th of May, 2012. And no lie, people, this is exactly what the headline reads. And this is for Freedom of Information Act, all this good stuff. And this is how we got this. Terrorist interest in attacking theaters and similar mass gatherings. The FBI's official release back in May, the 17th, almost exactly two months ago, okay, so they talk about how in this document that we need to be aware that U.S. theaters might be highlighted for terrorist activities. We need to be on the watch and all this good stuff. And at the very end, in uh, TJ, shocker, in the small print, it says, warning, and I'm going to read this verbatim so everybody can get kind of a grasp on what, what is going on here. This document is unclassified but for official use only. It contains information that may be exempt from public release under the Freedom of Information Act, um, citing the Freedom of Information Act as 5 U.S.C. 552, and is controlled, stored, handled, transmitted, distributed, and disposal of, a, of this in accordance with Department of Homeland Security policy relating to the Freedom of Information Act information. And this is the kicker. It is not to be released to the public the media or personnel who do not have valid need to know or prior approval from the DHS. Okay? State and local homeland security officials may share this document with authorized critical infrastructure and key resource personnel and the private sector security officials with further approval from DHS. Okay. So what does this all mean, man? What, what does this mean that DHS comes out with this with this warning of terrorist attacks, and then and then magically two weeks 
before the UN gun vote, and we'll get into that in a second because that's really the meat and potatoes of, of what we're dealing with here. What does that mean, TJ? If they're going to come out and say, hey, watch out for terrorists, and then a, a terrorist actually does what they say in their document? I think what we actually saying, like I said before, it would be two things. Either this guy actually um, did this um, himself, or we are really looking at somebody who was actually either uh, was the fall guy or was actually hired to do this. I really believe, if anything, that he was probably most likely a fall guy because when you are, because for for one thing, where he lived at, there's uh, Colorado inside the area, has a, a major military presence. And then when you start getting into not only to, you know, him using the guns, and uh, but the rigging of the bums of his apartment, uh, which, which we are going to get into later, but a lot of times the government, they always release um, these things to watch out for before something actually goes, you know. Like the Osama um, bin Laden boogeyman, hey, a couple, yeah. months before, a couple months before 9-11, Osama bin Laden they comes out and he's a number threat and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, and drills, yeah, Pentagon, I mean, same thing. So it's like, okay, you know, they gearing you up for what is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Bill Cooper got killed over that stuff, and I talk about him a lot because that's that's really the guy was former naval intelligence. He understood what was going on. He came out on his little. He's got he had like a little radio show that was just local AM, and then he did a um, uh, shortwave broadcast. And he comes out and talks about, hey, anything that they're going to blame on Osama bin Laden, don't you guys dare believe it, and blah, blah, blah. And he said it might not happen in the next couple of weeks, but it might happen in the next couple of months. Boom. Two months later, no no pun intended with the boom. Two months later, 9-11 happens, and then the official narrative gets rolled out within an hour that Osama bin Laden's behind it. And then they've got videos of Osama bin Laden saying that they're trying to blame me for this. It's just completely crazy. And then when you look at it from from our perspective, TJ, you get kind of the same you get kind of the same MO from this. We're going to release a little document and it's going to be for, you know, not for not classified, but you know, people can get their grubby little hands on it if they want to, you know, obviously us the minions, the the, the slaves of the system. So so the slaves get a hold of this document and then we look at it this 2 months ago and then we have something that happens in a theater. So so if if you can take it to the next level, if you can take it like TJ said, you know, past what we're what we're looking at, and they're always going to show you what they're going to do before they do it, you know, this is very suspicious. I'm not going to say conspiracy theory because this literally could be a, a nut job that 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 puts us all in a bad position with the UN vote coming up, and and that's what I want to get into in a second. But TJ, from your perspective, from 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 your second level thinking. What do you see from this? And then why are the why are the bomb rigging? Why is that so important? Get into that a little bit. Well, one of the reasons why uh, the bomb rigging is so important is because when you actually heard the police chief when he was actually um, speaking, mm-hmm. he actually said that the rigging was like anything he has ever seen before, and he even said that even that um, um, their um, bomb squad could take either um, weeks or months. Just to get inside there. Now here's the, here, here I have one question. I didn't want to stop you because you're about to get on a roll. But here's the question, okay? If you're really wanting to kill people, why in the hell are you going to tell the cops that you booby trapped your apartment? I mean, just let them go in there. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're really looking to hurt people, you don't go. Oh, hey, by the way, I've got a bunch of I got a bunch of goodies waiting for you back at my apartment. What? No. I mean, if you're really a psychopath and you really want to hurt people. You're just gonna let sleeping dogs lie, and then and then when they go to the to the apartment and the whole place blows up, and then you sit in jail with a smile on your face like the Joker. But you know, go on, go on, continue, and and get into the sophistication behind this, and and why the timing's so important. Well, because um, okay, so the the police chief, like uh, like I said, said that the rigging for the bombs was anything like he ever seen before. And the bomb squad say, you know, it can take them weeks, it can take them months to get in. So if it's something that can take them weeks inside months, that means that the knowledge uh because okay, yeah, anybody can anybody can go on the internet and find out how to make bombs. True. Mm-hmm. But 
for this rigging to be sophisticated means either two things. Either he was either trained or somebody else did it for him. If you are known with the EOD, also known as um, the explosive ordinance disposal that the military uses, because, you know, their their whole thing is dealing with explosive and how to dispose and how to, you know, connect bombs and stuff. It can take them six, their school takes 68 to 70 weeks alone just to learn Mm-hmm. how to deal with those bombs. So, and I remember now where he lived, that was a major military, you know, um, presence. All thing I'm saying is if this is a guy that freaking uh, played video games, if this was a guy who was, you know, master's degree, bachelor's degree, PhD, how did he learn how to, to sophisticatedly, you know, rig an entire apartment bombs it's really weird i mean it really is and and, and it's one of those things that we're probably not going to know the whole story and then we're going to get some kind of narrative that that gets that gets pushed down and disseminated through all the media systems and the sheeple are going to gravitate towards it like they always do they gravitate towards the official narrative they gravitate towards osama bin laden and and the reason that we want to talk about this, the reason that this is so important, everyone, and it's a horrific event. Believe me, it's horrific. You know, I, it's kind of like what happened when when you're sitting there watching 9/11, and and you know you watch these planes fly into buildings. All of a sudden, you feel like you feel kind of disarmed. You don't feel safe anymore. And and it's always scary when that happens. It is. It's always scary. But the way that you combat this stuff, the way that you combat terror, guys, is not – it's not going to be – the solution is not going to be, well, we need to we need to have cops everywhere. We need to have TSA everywhere. That's, that's not the answer. The answer, everyone, is to not pretend like it didn't happen. Acknowledge it and also just acknowledge the fact that there is some inherent risk in living and that we're all going to die eventually. Now, I know that sounds really horrible. But if you take that perspective to it and don't let this this mass media propaganda come and push this down our throat and get us so terrified, we're going to be – now we're not even going to be terrified of Al-Qaeda, TJ. Now we've got to be terrified of going to the movies. We're going to be terrified about going to get ice cream. It's a psychological event that we can't let happen. We cannot let the exact same thing that happened after 9-11 where everybody freaked out and panicked and got so nervous about – Al-Qaeda getting us and bombs and, and terrorist attacks and all this stuff. We got so we got so wrapped up in that that we let a president pass a policy that openly lets him spy on everybody and then everybody thinks it's good because of a name. So, I mean, from your perspective, is you think that that's the way that we need to go about this? Do you think that we need to just as as a society as a whole just acknowledge this that was it was a horrible event? But then move forward saying, you know what, we're Americans, we're peaceful people, Think bad things are going to happen, you're more likely to get killed in a car crash on your way home you know, from, from going to the grocery store or something like that than you're ever going to get as far as a terrorist attack or a mass shooting or something like that. It, it just doesn't happen, but I know it's scary because it's something out of your control. TJ, what, what's your breakdown from this? What do we need as a, as a society to take away from this event? What do we need to take away? You know, um, according to statistics, three people are shot every hour um, inside the U.S. alone. Mm-hmm. But one thing people have to realize is that uh, the reason why taking away guns or even putting like a ban on guns is not going to work, or or even to you know suppress the number of guns bought inside the U.S. is not going to work because a let's look at something: the majority of all the crimes that are actually done by guns inside the U.S. Are not actually are not actually bought in gun shops. They're actually bought off the streets. Yeah, I Illegal. mean, it's, okay. it's black so, market sales. Yeah. yeah, so you putting a ban on gun shops is not going to stop people from shooting. When I can go to somebody inside the streets and buy the same handgun, mm-hmm. okay, for as little as a hundred dollars or even less than that. Uh, I remember even back inside the day, there used to be some guys that used to sh- um, that they used to sell handguns for fifty dollars, and you can get a whole drum of ammo for a little as nothing. So, putting a gun on, putting a ban on guns, or yada yada, it's not going to stop when the gun shops are really not responsible 
for, uh, you know, the guns that are actually coming out here and being shot. Those are illegal guns. Those are black market guns. And another thing that we have to realize is, okay, that this is not the first time that, okay, somebody has been shot. Okay. Yeah, I understand. Yes, 12 people were shot. 58, I mean, 58 people were shot, 12 people died. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is a massacre, but yeah, we had the Virginia massacre, okay? We had the Columbine before that. Mm -hmm. This is not the first time that, that this has, has has actually happened. So you're trying to say we need a gun ban here or we need to, you know, go all crazy over guns. That is not the case because remember now, um, even if you did ban guns, people can still get killed many other ways. You can still stab people. You can still run people over cars. You can still poison people, blow up people. Mm. There's still many ways to kill people. Guns is not the problem. The problem is we as a society have to accept that living inside this living inside this day and age that we have actually been exposed to uh, many criminalistic things and our mindset has actually went to more further out. That's why the rate of crimes has actually uh, been rising over the years. We have to look at ourselves and judge ourselves. We cannot judge a car if somebody runs over somebody. We cannot right. judge a gun, a knife, or anything. We have to judge ourselves because we are the people that actually commits the crimes. That's exactly right, and and I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, guns don't kill people. Human beings kill people, okay? And TJ, it's like you said, you and I talked about yesterday. I don't walk into a gun shop and duck because I'm afraid all the guns are going to go off and shoot me. It just doesn't happen. It's not the way that it works. And and like you said, you have to <clears throat> we have to look at it from not even a first and second level perspective. This guy this has to get so deep, guys. This has to get so deep for the people to really understand, okay? We are sold through, you know, through whatever, entertainment, Hollywood, you know, all of this stuff. You're sold on the on on the fact that violence is cool. And this is not something that's brand new. Yay, you know, violence is cool. You know, we turned into we're turning into a culture of death. It, it it literally is turning into a death culture. And and the thing that I see from it and and the thing that that really got my attention is something that I heard yesterday on the radio when you talk about when you talk about society as a whole, when you see somebody get shot in a movie or something like that, understand that you're getting desensitized to that. When you see somebody get hit by a car in a movie, you're getting desensitized. It's a slow maturation. And after a certain period of time of that maturation, of you watching violent movies, playing violent video games, all that stuff, the desensitization, the desensitization will kick in. And then you become mm -hmm. almost almost immune to getting sick over violence, to getting mm -hmm. to getting nervous. You get you get like accustomed to it. It becomes and, and that's what I'm afraid to to see from this this whole thing is that this just furthers our idea that death is cool, that that uh, the terrorists are out there, that all of this stuff. It's all negativity. You need to take the negativity and push it aside, guys. I know that we're living in tough times now. But as soon as you start breeding negativity on a mass scale, TJ, you and I both know this, but this is taking it to the third level. We usually go first and second level here, but let's take it to the third level. What does a bunch of negative vibrations do? What does a bunch of fear do to a population? What does that do to just individuals or groups? What does that what does that do if you bring a whole bunch of negativity and negative vibrations, negative thoughts? What does that all do for a society? If I if okay, a lot of times um, let's take it as and okay, and this is actually something true. If I actually brought fear to a whole group of people, that okay, somebody inside inside, let's say like this one room had this infectious disease that could kill people, mm -hmm. the fear builds up. Yep. Immediately, that fear could actually could lead those people to either A, killing the other person, yep. and as soon as somebody sneezes, somebody, as soon as somebody calls, they believe that that person will have it. Right. So then it would lead to basically to mass hysteria. People will be killing people. People will be afraid of each other. Yep. People will be willing to turn on each other. Yep. So putting fear into a society, putting all these scares actually causes people to turn against each other. And it and really, it actually creates more violence. It really does. It's a culture of death that breeds on – it basically builds on top of itself. And and that's something that you and I don't talk about, I don't think, enough, TJ, because all this stuff is so crazy. And, yeah, it's it's scary, guys. You have to – 
you have to admit that this stuff is scary to yourself. But much like, you know, much like getting into your car on a rainy day, that's kind of scary too. Especially if you drive around here in Atlanta like we do with a bunch of idiots out there that just drive at like 80, 90 miles an hour in the rain. It's like, oh, okay, well, I might not get killed, but this this dumb guy next to me that's driving like a maniac might kill me. So just understand that understand that fear is a motivator for people that want control. Fear is the easiest way to control a mass population. And if we all run around and start freaking out about, you know, a, a crazy person or once again there is a completely different road that you can go down, somebody that was set up patsy, drugged up, whatever, kind of like the Reichstag fire, you know, don't let it change your day-to-day activities. Don't let it change your life. Acknowledge the fact that it was a terrible tragedy and then move on. And and it's one of those things that with the small arms treaty going out, this is if you want to look at the right side of the if you want to look at the right side as opposed to the left side. The left side is that this guy's a kook, he's a quack, you know, thinks he's the joker, whatever. Then you have the other side of the coin, which is it could be a false flag because of the UN gun treaty. Now, just to give you guys a quick synopsis, it's the UN Arms Transfer Treaty, the ATT, and I talked about this on our show a couple weeks ago because I saw it coming down the pipe and I didn't know that that something like this was going to happen, but I kind of had a feeling that this thing might get ratified and then if Barack Obama signs it and then Congress ratifies it, a lot of bad things are going to happen. Now this comes from Forbes and I'm just going to read some excerpts and then TJ I want you to expand on this because this is where the rubber meets the road, guys. Once again, first level thinking is, oh, we're going to watch a movie theater and this guy, you know, this guy shoots up a bunch of people, grab the guns. That's first inclination from a lot of people. We got to grab guns. And in reality, it's the exact opposite. You need to freaking – everybody just needs to be packing. Everybody needs a sidearm. Everybody needs to open carry because let's face it, TJ. Do you think that this guy really walked in there to get killed, or do you think that he walked in there to create – if it was him that did it and all this other stuff, you know, all that – all the other roads that we can go down being aside, people like this that kill a bunch of people, it's kind of like you know, it, a prime example are serial killers. Serial killers don't want to – get killed they want to get caught they want to talk about how great it was am i right yeah i mean uh one of the greatest things for somebody who actually uh, you know is actually like that is to get attention and that's exactly what he has got he has gotten attention and one of the things is that um uh, when you arrest him and when you actually pay him all this attention that could actually be what he wants to be glorified yeah, he wants to be glorified, be, yeah. you, then you get the, the possibility of the copycat killers, and now we mm-hmm. all got to give our rights up because somebody somewhere may have a gun that might shoot us. Yeah. I mean, come on. It, when you take it to that level, guys, it it gets to the point of, of, of almost lunacy. And so let's get into the small arms treaty really quick, TJ, the five bullet points that I want to go over. And then this is completely, completely scary from my perspective. We are looking at it from – once again, not from the left, but from the right and somewhere in the middle, looking at it from who benefits from this. TJ, that's what we always talk about on the show is that in order to do second-level thinking, you have to pull yourself away, much like you were talking about the conversation you had with uh, with your friend earlier. Pull yourself away from the situation for a second. Look at it from 30,000 feet. See who benefits from this. And you know, with a small arms treaty coming out and, and our listeners said here, the vote's in seven days, and it's it's kind of bonkers, okay? So anytime that there is a a big gun overhaul, whether it's a um, you know semi-auto like we're facing here, or whether it's the restriction of fully automatic assault rifles, you know there's always some big there's always some big event, and it's always about two weeks out. And the reason that it's about two weeks out, TJ, and you and I talked about this before, is that it's enough time. For the people to still remember it, but it's not enough time for the people to be overly dramatic about it. So let's get into the quick things that I wanted to go over to, and this comes from Forbes, and you guys can you guys can search this online, and it's the um, the Small Arms Treaty, and and why and the title of the article is the UN Agreement should have all gun owners up in arms, and this was back in June of this year, and this is I, I've read the treaty, it's pretty crazy, but. It says basically it enacts tougher requirements, restrictions for and creating additional bureaucratic red tape for us to get legal firearms. 
It um, has a confiscate and destroy all quote-unquote unauthorized civilian firearms, exempting, of course, the government from that because, you know, they have to have the guns because they have to rule us. And ban the sale, trade, private ownership of all semi-automatic firearms that have magazines, even though they can operate with a single trigger pull, a single bang, uh, as a manner of a revolver. Uh, it's basically simply creating this creating this illusion that these guns, these semi-automatic firearms, are are the problem. And then here's my favorite part, TJ. This is where you get into the police state. This is where you get into gun confiscation, mass arrest. The whole nine created international gun registry, clearly setting the stage for full-scale gun confiscation. And they even say it. It's like, hey, we're going to put this in. You're going to register your guns, not with your government, which should be in and of itself an entity, and then part of the UN. It shouldn't be joined with the UN as, as this some major conglomerate, a.k.a. world government garbage. And in short, overriding our national sovereignty and then the progress, providing license for federal requirement to exert preemptive powers over the state and regulatory powers guaranteed by the 10th and 2nd Amendment. He's exactly right, and it really does go to show what's going on here. Now, Barack Obama, guys, is under a lot of, is under a lot of fire, okay? He's under a lot of fire for a couple of things. Number one, the reason I think this is a, a staged event, TJ – is because anytime something comes out really, really negative about the president, there's always some big event. You know what I mean? Clinton. Mm -hmm. It comes out about Clinton and the and the and the drug dealing and the and the guns and all that stuff. Boom, what happens? You got Oklahoma City and I shouldn't use the word boom because it's crazy. And now you got the Obama birth certificate thing that comes out where Sheriff Alpario just basically comes out and says it's completely another fake and blah blah blah. And then what do we get now? Not only do we get fast and furious to blame the Second Amendment to take our guns, we're going to ship the guns into Mexico, and you and I have talked about this and covered it nauseum. Ship the guns into Mexico. We're going to track them, but we're not going to track them. And oh, we lost them, and it killed a bunch of Border Patrol people, killed a bunch of people down in Mexico. But we got to give all of our rights up because they were shipped down there by the federal government on record, and now they're getting prosecuted for it. So if they're going to ship guns into Mexico, TJ, mm -hmm. they're going to ship. Guns, hand grenades, you name it, in New Mexico, blame the Second Amendment for it. How is it so far-fetched that they can't set somebody up? And it's funny, our listener here is is just right on with the MK Ultra mind control and all this other stuff. How can you not just set – like you said, TJ, just set him up as a patsy. He didn't even have to do the shooting. Just – let them hang out in the parking lot. You dress somebody else up in the in the garments. They can't see him. He's got a gas mask on, full protective gear, riot, blah blah blah. And then, and then all of a sudden, you got this guy just wandering around the parking lot. And then, it, it just seems too too bonkers to me. And, and then it's mention. right before the it's right before this UN gun grabbing. And then everybody came out the next day or that night and said, we need to get all the guns. We need to grab all the guns. It's just completely – it's completely coincidental or it's completely staged. But also, too, you know, but not to mention that um, attached to The Dark Knight Rises was actually um, a trailer for the movie that is called um, Gangster Squad. And inside the trailer – it actually um, it, it it actually showed the Gangster Squad shooting up an entire movie theater, in which Warner Brothers has now pulled that from from the Dark Knight um, Rises, um, you know, uh, trailers. But also too, inside 1986, there was a comic book called Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, mm -hmm. in which it actually inside the comic book showed a gunman. Uh, walking into a movie theater and killing three people. Yeah, and if you want to get really, really crazy and you want to go really down the rabbit hole, how about the murals? How about the murals in at the Denver International Airport? And you guys look this up online if you want because you want to talk about something that, that kind of freaked out some of my friends yesterday. A guy brought it up on Alex's show when I was listening to it, and, and it really did make sense. And I was like, you know what? I've seen that picture before. Just go to go to Google or whatever search engine, go under images, and then put Colorado um, or Denver International Airport um, and then murals. And one of the first murals that pops up is literally a dude in a gas mask with a trench coat on, with a freaking with a with what looks like a, a, a an assault rifle, 
stabbing the dove of peace, and everybody around him is in terror. I mean, if you wanted to get into the occult and all that stuff, remember, TJ, they got to show you what they're going to do before they do it. So, hey, we're going to paint a mural, and then a couple of days later and, – and the other part of the mural that really creeps me out is over in the bottom right-hand corner. It's It was, it, it literally looks like what what used to be 9-11, like right after 9-11, how you had pictures of, of the World Trade Centers, and they were cut at an angle and all that. It It looks like that, but not to get into the conspiracy part of things and get way down the bunny trail – Let's talk about what what this UN treaty would do for us, TJ. And and is taking all the guns isn't that the, isn't that the answer? Let's leave the criminals with all the guns and, and and the cops with all the guns. That's the answer, right? That'll that'll stop all of this. Put the TSA in the in the malls and in the um and in the movie theaters, and that will keep us safe. And then I can go back to watching the Kardashians because that's what's really important. It's just another form of um, control, you know. Uh, like you were saying, the, the whole entire fear, this is how they actually get their agenda across. It's okay, oh, well, there was a shooting at a movie theater. Let's put TSA there. Oh, there's going to be a shooting in a Walmart. We need TSA there. We need TSA everywhere. We need drones watching. We need to have everybody controlled. When yet, I mean, you still have, um, like you said, a violent culture that goes around parading it every day. Now, I know some people, um, I mean, of course, you know, see, this is the thing. They want to blame guns, but they don't want to blame the people. Okay, you know, how are you going to talk about, you know, a gun control when you have, like, the U.S. military driving so much ordinance on places and shooting up people inside wars and stuff, and you have a biomilitary men coming back to stress, and then you don't give them medical aid, and you wonder why some of them actually commit suicide. In fact, you had more military servicemen that actually committed suicide than, than, than the people that actually died inside the whole entire second Gulf War. You know, so you like I said, you want to keep on blaming guns, but you don't want to actually to blame yourselves. You don't actually want to blame that. Hey, you know, um, us seeing all these people down to the World Trade Center inside the Pentagon, us seeing these people who are actually um, constantly getting tired of the rich. That you know, uh, the UN could actually be blamed for a lot of this stuff itself, and not even guns. Because these are the same people that push this fear. They push these wars. They push this violence. Hollywood is actually controlled by um, major conglomerates. These conglomerates control almost 90% of all the media that we see. And that goes for record labels. That goes for even video games. Uh, they even goes for magazines. They control all the things we see. And so this is the stuff they keep us. This is, this is, these are the images and these are the sounds that we actually are kept in front of our faces. It is controlled by these people, and these conglomerates are actually have ties to the global elite. So they are actually instilling all this violence. They are instilling all this fear, and they're saying that this is the problem. We need to get rid of this. We need to have you under control. It's it's the it's the TV is both a is both a a great invention and a detriment at the same time. It, it, it is it is the the great the great avenue and arbiter of information but it's also can be turned on its head and be used as the arbiter of control and brainwashing and, and those types of things and people if you don't believe that you're brainwashed and and the more that you start just accept the fact that you're being bombarded with with pictures with your subliminals with flicker rates and stuff like that listen i went to i went to school for marketing for four years I know how to manipulate somebody, and I've only done that, and I only studied it for four years. I know how to manipulate somebody by a color, by putting a certain by putting a certain font in a certain place. Anybody that says that, oh, we can't be getting brainwashed, really? So when the government actually did studies, and when when they when they had to remove certain ads from movie theaters back in, I believe it was the 60s or 70s, but don't quote me on that, because they were actually putting subliminals into the the advertising before the show and people they would show them like pictures of popcorn and stuff like that but they would do it really quick it wasn't even you couldn't notice it or register it with your conscious mind but your subconscious was registering it and saying wow buttered popcorn yummy all of this stuff and and sales went up like 400% so don't tell me that you can't be manipulated don't tell me 
that these people can't control you. Don't tell TJ that that you know that all this stuff and that all these terrorists and stuff like that are are real. And that's what we're we're really getting into, TJ, is the blurring of not only not only this death culture that we're in right now, for some reason that that everybody thinks that that being you know that that dying is cool and shooting people is cool and torture is cool. This is a really bad road to go down as a society because if you start accepting the fact that this stuff is cool, you're really just basically you're you're taking your morals and you're flushing them down the toilet. And I think that that's what we're seeing here in the United States. It's just an escape from morality. You you have all of these people that want to go that want to go out and, and incite violence and all of those things because they want the control behind it. That's mm-hmm. when you when you think that that's it is that is I that would totally you get, agree. You get people so hyped up, you get people on edge, and then it's like TJ said, it's complete divide and conquer. All right. So if you have this guy and 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 it, and he's he's the new boogeyman and they're tall they're even branding him the Joker. No. You can't do it. Don't accept it, people. Do not accept them branding this guy as the Joker because then what do you get? You get a blurred vision. You get a distorted reality, and then it's a free-for-all. As soon as you buy into the fact that something that's in a comic book or something that it's in a movie can be real, then it's then it's open season. Everything can be real now. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster can be real. You know, Space aliens can be real. Uh, reptilians can be real like David Icke believes. I mean these – come on. You can't go down this path. It's very, very scary, I know, but don't let it do it. Don't let it manipulate you into where and, – and it's funny. I was talking to a bunch of my friends yesterday, and there's a general consensus from almost everybody. It's either it's either what's going to happen is that this is going to be used as a control variable or it's going to be used as the boy that cried wolf, and you're going to become desensitized to it. TJ, what are your thoughts on that? Either the variable control, we're going to give all our rights up because either al-Qaeda is going to get us or some guy in a mask is going to get us. Or it's just going to be like the boy that cried wolf, and everybody's just going to be like, oh, you know, another whatever. Well, one thing one thing you have to understand about America, and not only America, but one thing about the world is that uh, we see something tragic one day, and then we just move on. Um, yeah. That has actually happened numerous times. So, yeah, we, we're going to hear about this, and then we're going to move on. Just how we moved on from the Trayvon Martin case. That's how we moved on from Colorado. That's how we moved on from Virginia 9/11. Tech. I mean, 9-11 yeah. took a while, but we still moved on from it. And that's a great point, man. And if you real up like this, if they if they really wanted gun control, okay, uh, they would have actually done something. I mean, like if the people, you know, see, any time when they do something and it doesn't work, they have to do it again. You know, yeah. like before they had the Oklahoma City bombing, there was another bombing. Um, uh, I forget what city is was that? Was that New York? Inside oh, the, the first World Trade Center where yeah, they the where they yeah. botched up the bombs, and it was it was. It was literally an FBI guy that was yeah. or a CIA even, guy that was even, set up. Even on record, they even came out. They was the freaking FBI, like was whoever FBI guy that said, no, we're going to replace this with the real bomb. Okay, so they was behind that. Okay, that doesn't work. Okay, so now we need to blow something bigger. So we use this explosion inside that whole conspiracy thing with the freaking Oklahoma City bombing in which um, um, if if you all have not seen A Noble Lie, um, which is about the Oklahoma City bombings. You really need to watch that documentary. You will be like, okay, wow, change the whole entire perspective on the whole entire thing. But you know, we had Columbine, and you did have some other things. I, I, I believe that the biggest school shooting was Virginia Tech, in which she killed, I believe, thirty-five mm-hmm. or thirty-eight people. Yep. So that right there, okay, we more. And they had a sta- and they had a stand down order there too, right? Like for yeah. four hours, the guy just keeps walking. I I I don't understand. I do not understand this, and this is – people, this is where we really need to start getting upset, and you need to start directing your – you need to start directing your frustrations toward the proper channels. What you see from the United States is now is that you see – you see a society slowly slipping away, and the reason that it's slowly slipping away is that become people – and it, and it's funny that I just had this realization, but people are becoming more – TJ, I think that people are becoming more and more terrified internally as as what's going on as far as the slow decline of society from from a financial standpoint, the, the slow decline of morals. And, and then you get little events like this, which is – which is really – which is really what, what's going to push us in a bad direction – 
and it's either you have people that start to to get it and start to get involved and say, hey, 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 this isn't good. What what's going on here? And they get involved and they start paying attention, or you get people that slip deeper into the trance. And that's what really scares me is that I don't see a lot of people. You know, Alex Jones says people are waking up. People are waking up. Me. Oh yeah, that, I don't, that, yeah. It's not that a might lot be people that's waking up. It's yeah, and, and that's fine. It's that. What do we, what do we do? I mean, what do you do as an individual to to really get a grasp on all of this stuff? And and when I see it from my perspective, is that you have to take it to an approach of let's go all the way back to not. Not talking about this stuff like it's politics, man, because it's not politics anymore. We have to talk about it like we're all human beings, okay? You need to take it back to the simplest form. What do you believe in? Do you believe it's your right to protect yourself? Yeah, I do believe it's my right to protect myself. Do you believe it's your right to a free and happy life and not have people intruding on your privacy? Yeah, I do believe that. And take it from from a list of things that you believe, that you believe as an individual – and then look at what's going on. They're all getting taken away. Everything's getting taken away. Your ability to have a free life and not have people grope you. Your your ability to, to be able to make money and prosper is slowly being taken away by the banks, and they're taking your money, but they're taking it one penny or two at a time so you don't really notice. Your ability to, to be able and protect yourself, that's the key, guys. Is that if you look at it from a humanity perspective, if you look at it from the global view of things, we're slowly not getting our our rights as far as a piece of paper saying the the Bill of Rights Constitution. You're getting your rights as a human being taken away. Yeah, and that's where you need to get pissed. That's why you need to get upset about this stuff, and that's why you just need to unplug from the system and say, you know what? What's really going on here? Why is all this crazy stuff going down? TJ, what would you say from your perspective? What do we got to do as far as a takeaway, and and how do you get people to engage in and and release this false reality that they're in, release the the TV culture, release all of that stuff? There will be time for that stuff later, guys. Okay. But the fact of the matter is we fell asleep at the wheel as a nation. And now we're suffering for it. It's all the American population, by the way. This is all on us. We can't blame anybody else. I got three points. And these are my, actually, three points of views. Okay. A, um, um, I'm going to give an example. Um, If you have seen The Matrix, okay. Inside The Matrix, you had all the human beings that live inside The Matrix. All these are people who was not aware of what was going on. But then when you got into the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions, you saw that Smith then began to infect the people, and they turned into him. So you we have the people living out here inside the world not knowing what's going on. And so now what they are doing is they are taking their evil, sadistic ways, and they are now infecting us, and we are turning into these sick people. If you don't think the global elite are sick, then you have been told wrong. The global elite are some of the sickest people on the planet of this earth. The stuff they do, the things they have done, um, it would probably make you throw up if you actually knew the things they have done. Oh, yeah. And now we are turning into, we went from fearing Al-Qaeda to now us as a people are becoming the new terrorists of a generation. Yeah, and you're going to have to fear your neighbor because your neighbor might come into a movie theater and shoot everybody up. Because remember, this guy was an introvert, and he was very nice, and everybody thought he was really smart, really well-controlled, really well-behaved, super nice guy, super smart, and he's a killer. So now that means everybody's like, oh, my God, all bets are off. Any, anybody can be a killer, right? Yeah, and my second point is this. Um, now, I'm uh, I'm have to go biblical. If anybody is a Christian or if anybody actually has studied the Bible, even Revelation, even Ezekiel, even Daniel, then you actually know that the United States is not inside the end time prophecy. What that means is that the United States will not be a world power as we get closer and closer, um, of course, to, you know, the very end times. Now, we are actually seeing now that the United States is actually declining. And I understand that Alex Jones says that, Okay, people are waking up. But from what I am seeing, I believe that people are actually not waking up. I believe that you actually have more and more people who are actually slipping 
further uh, into the grasp of um, of this new world order. I believe that what you're going to see is inside the future, you are actually going to see there's going to be, I believe there's going to be a completely um, mind control, not really mind control, but if you know about like a global conscience, I believe that everybody will soon just completely just believe everything that these people say. And I don't, to me, I really don't see um the population, the generations, even my generation, okay, I'm 21. I know a lot of my people inside my generation, they don't read black, white, and Hispanic. A lot of them do not read. I know that for a fact. Um, I know that a lot of them don't care about politics. They don't care what's going on. Only thing they do is they care about themselves, and they listen to, of course, the entertainment, and they are being fed lies, and they don't want to care. When I was down in college, we interviewed people. I gave speeches to people. I even told people about it. In fact, um, uh, we even have the footage when I went around I now asking people about do they know what was going on. Uh, the majority of the answer was no. And then when I asked them, when I told them about what was going on, I, told, I asked them, what are you willing to do to change it? And they said nothing. I really care really about myself. That was from numerous people, both from different races, black, white, and Hispanic people we interviewed, um, college students, people from ages from from the age range of eighteen to about twenty five, that they did not care, uh, they did not want to know, and they were just basically um, caring only about themselves. This is the generation that we are actually in. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are inside in in uh, you know. Uh, information and a technology generation, but we also inside a generation that has been conditioned and that has been dumbed down to not care. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not even been dumbed down to not care. It's TJ. It's you have to take it a step further. It's not that you don't care about what's going on in society. Is you don't care about your fellow human being. Yeah. And and that's and that's how you know that it's fractured. And that's how we should all know that this is fractured. If you can't, from a perspective of looking back at history, if you can't band together and fight against people that are trying to take your rights and that are trying to take – not just your rights. Take away your inalienable rights, things that were given to you by the creator, whomever you believe that to be. If you're religious, then you believe it's God. If you're not religious, then then taking this perspective, you have no more right on this planet to tell me what to do with my – ability to be free and live freely and protect myself than anybody. And that's basically what the Constitution states, and it states all of those things in, in writing so that you can have a reference point and use it as, as a way to, to protect yourself. It, it's, so, it's so disgusting to me. And TJ, you, you and I talk about this at Nauseam. It's, it's really sad to see what's going on in this society. Especially in the United States because, TJ, like you said, you're going to have two different types of people. You're going to have the people that see this stuff coming down the pipe that are going to be yelling at the top of their lungs. And it depends on how how far down the rabbit hole you are with the plastic fake culture and all of that stuff. That will determine whether you're going to join the resistance or not. And we're not talking about resistance taking up arms and, and going and inciting violence and, and any of that stuff. You need to just go ahead and say, I'm going to fight for liberty. I'm going to fight for personal freedom, and I'm going to fight for the freedom of humanity. And that's why I started this broadcast. That's why TJ and I are together, because we both believe that humanity can be saved. And it's not saved in a, in, in a, in a biblical sense. It's just saved in the saying, hey, we need to redirect our focus away from the television and back to getting back to what's going to make us prosperous as a nation, as a culture, and as a world. What's going to change the world? How are we going to be different? And let's not go down this path because it leads to a very bad place. TJ, you got about 60 seconds. Final thoughts for the show, and then um, and then we'll sign off. Final thoughts for the show is, you know, like I said before, that um, we cannot let people. We have to still look at that there. That no matter what race or gender we are, that we as a people to get to the future has to work together, and we all have to wake up. Yeah, and and it's and when we say wake up, guys, it's not wake up to. 
to to the crazy world. It's just wake up and pay attention and get involved. And that's all it is. Is once you start getting involved, TJ, and you'll you'll be able to attest to this. Once you start doing stuff like like a radio broadcast, even though we're, we're kind of small potatoes, you know, five hundred downloads a week or whatever, you know, even if it's something that this feels good. This feels good to get out and talk to people and tell people what's going on and, and try to get people engaged because at the end of the day, humanity is not going to save itself. We all have to band together to save it. So mm-hmm. thanks, everybody, for listening, and we appreciate everybody's comments on the boards. Uh, tune in next week. We don't even know what we're going to cover because we thought we were going to cover symbolism. Now it's out the door. So once again, get a friend, get informed, get involved. Let's beat the new world order and let's restore humanity to the proper position in the universe. Thanks, everybody.